This is the BA Coach Podcast, episode number 28. Welcome to the BA Coach Podcast, online at thebacoach.com. Helping business analysts take their craft to the next level. It doesn't matter if you are a brand new BA or you've been practicing for many years. There is always something we can all do to take our BA skills and techniques up a notch. And now, here is your host, author, blogger, musician, and BA evangelist, Yakub Bahamut, also known as Yamo. Hello there and welcome to another educational and exciting episode of the BA Coach Podcast. Today we have a special author cast for you with Alan Goddard Diener and Mary Gorman about their newest book Discover to Deliver a must read for you if you're into agile product planning and analysis but before we begin a quick announcement about the CBAP CCBA online prep course first of all i want to thank you for registering to the course i know about uh, four of you registered listening to the podcast and also for making it a sell out in in 7 days after the launch i know it's exciting i'm i'm really humbled and thrilled about the response and i'm also planning another last uh, batch for this year if you're interested uh so you could go to the bacoach.com/online-prep for pre-registering yourself so having said that let's uh quickly jump into our author cast today with uh, ellen and mary about what really inspired them to write this book what pain points they saw in their consulting work that they wanted to sort of analyze and help address in various ways in their book we also go over some insightful discussions around the rationale behind the title discover to deliver the importance of amplifying the value of analysis the biggest problems facing agile teams and how this book addresses them high level walk through of the book like we go through the six sections of the book how to focus on the goal of delivering a high value product how this book relates to the agile extension of the ba book and how different readers can read this book like if you are a product manager how to approach it or if you are a product champion or an analyst and so forth and there's also other discussion which you'll find really uh, interesting and educational so uh, one last thing is there's a special discount coupon code uh, for the BA coach listeners uh, you get a 25% off by using the code BAC01LN that's BA coach 01 Lima November So uh, having said that if you want more details and if you have any questions that you want to ask Alan or Mary please visit the bacoach.com/episode28 and you can leave a comment or any thoughts you may have on this episode. So having said that uh without further ado here is the episode with Alan and Mary. Okay, hi Alan. How are you? Good. Hi Mary. Hi Yamo. How's it going guys? Great. Going really good, Yama. Nice. Welcome. Welcome back to the BA Coach podcast. It's awesome to have you guys again. Uh I remember from the last podcast we recorded it generated a lot of buzz and uh it kind of stands out in the in the podcast trailer too. So it's nice to have you again. Well, we're honored to be invited. Yes. 
good to talk to you again and to all your listeners. Awesome. So let's get started with the most exciting thing happening this summer for you guys. The launch of a brand new spanking book, eh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about that uh, and, and in the sense of uh, inspiration. So um, what was the inspiration for you guys to sort of come up with this book? Uh, since both of you worked on it, maybe what was the joint inspiration behind this? So let's start with Ellen. Joint inspiration. Well, Mary and I have been working with a number of clients that are using agile practices or transitioning to agile practices. And we found that one of the uh, areas that was of concern or an issue, even if teams were using agile for a while, uh, was the focus on the requirements. Guess what? Big surprise. Requirements mm-hmm. seem to be <laughs> central issue regardless of what method or process you use to deliver your product. And it's sort of like a pendulum that sometimes happens, I think, in our industry. You know, we, we learn something new and we go to one extreme and then we calibrate it back to another. Yeah. What some teams have done is completely abandon analysis or do too lightweight analysis and and get stuck in the middle of an iteration or sprint and can't finish the work uh, because they haven't had good conversations about really what the requirements are. <clears throat> and um, it's those teams that we started doing a lot of work with that, that we noticed this pattern um, that we wanted to um, amplify the value of analysis actually to amplify the value of the product. Mm-hmm. Mary- add something to that? Uh, I totally agree, of course. And I'd add that uh, it isn't just from an agile perspective. I think one of the inspirations is to enable business analysts to participate and many times lead in these uh, exploring what are the basic needs. And Part of that is to offer them a lightweight framework that they can use, regardless of whether they're doing Agile or not. And that really, I think, inspired us to help folks take a holistic view of requirements. Yeah, you know, the only thing I would, I would that's, that's a really good way to put it. As Mary said, as we use that expression a lot, the holistic view mm-hmm. of requirements. And one of the things that um, some analysts are very curious about is, you know, where does an analysis fit in Agile, et cetera? And that certainly is answered in our book and, and uh, in our practice. But the other piece is that actually good analysis is facilitated by using Agile practices. Interesting. Nice. So just going back to uh, something you said, Ellen, about lightweight analysis, when you sort of analyzed or you know, looked into the patterns that you observed in your consulting work. Why do you think that happens? Like, based on your experience, what's the number one reason, if you will, for the for for teams engaging in lightweight analysis, skipping analysis? Um, well, I'm. I think I'm thinking more about lightweight. Uh, when I use that expression, that they went over to an extreme, is that they might just capture a one-liner or as most agile teams or many use a user story and it'll have a few snippets uh, about the user role you know just naming them Mm -hmm. and snippets about the action 
that needs to be taken place and a link to some higher level value. But, well, what about that user? Which user or which type of user? Yeah. Uh, and how do we accomplish the interface? And what specific actions are needed? And what about all the data uh, or the types of data and the state of the data? And, um, gee, that user story doesn't really talk about business rules or even the operating environment for that uh, bit of code that's going to be implemented or the quality attributes, you know, the security, performance, usability, reliability, what's important for that snippet. So those things I just mentioned make up the seven dimensions of any product need at any level of granularity. And they're skipping talking about that uh, until they get the team, until they get into um, development and trying to deliver it. And then it sort of opens up a can of worms and a lot of questions that ends up slowing their ability to um, deliver. So it's uh, it's predominantly skipping a few things when they are formulating user stories and, and forgetting sort of the the key dimensions that contribute to a more comprehensive user story, sort of. Absolutely. And the other aspect that goes along with it is to use visual tools to help improve the conversation. Mm. So bringing in some of those wonderful things that we do as BAs, um, being able to do some sort of a process diagram, being able to do a simple context diagram, for example, doing some lightweight data modeling. And yet all of these are done in the framework of understanding that these are the highest value options. And I don't think we've used the O word yet in this conversation. Uh-huh. That's another really key thing, Yamo, that we've found is to very quickly be able to explore what are those possibilities or options. Yeah. And then very quickly, using value criteria, narrow that down and evaluate and select the highest value options. And then we use this various techniques to confirm um, those particular choices. So that three-part cycle of explore the options, evaluate those options, and confirm them, that three-part cycle is what is the basis for what we call the structured conversation. And that's been really powerful uh, working with our clients. And it really puts the BAs in, I believe, a different position. Um, they are able to facilitate the structured conversation. They're able to directly engage, and that's engaging what we call the partners. Ellen, mm-hmm. do you want to speak a little bit about the partnership? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that teams sometimes don't do uh, as, as deeply or richly uh, as they might is that stakeholder analysis and understanding what's valuable to all the stakeholders. So we talk about the product partnership being comprised of business, technology, and customer partners. So, mm-hmm. of course, we think about the customer. The customer is extremely important. Those are the people that are going to use the product or choose the product. Um, and uh, we, we need to get close to what's important to them. You also have the, uh, the business, which are the folks that are going to sponsor the product and um, be the champion, the voice of the different partners. Mm-hmm. 
we call that, we like to use the term product champion as opposed to product owner because it's a huge burden to expect one person <laughs> to, uh-huh. to know everything sort of omnipotently. Um, so on the business side, and so we have the, the sponsor and the product champion on the business part of the partnership. And then the technology, of course, is uh, everyone on the delivery team, including technology partners. Um, so customer, business, and technology partners each have their own values. And what we want to do is explicitly, tran- you know, transparently explore their values. <clears throat> Because we found that teams, when they have conversations about value, they learn their conflicting value. Mm-hmm. And they can actually help each other deliver their values. Of course, ultimately, there has to be very clear decision-making um, and very transparent decision-making. But when we, we found this over and over again, when we can help facilitate that conversation, be clear on what the value criteria are after all three of those partners' values well understood, then this conversation that Mary was describing, the structured conversation of explore, evaluate, and confirm, actually happens very quickly. It's really efficient. Nice. So I'm just going to try and sum up what you guys said just to phrase three pain points that 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 are resulting from the lightweight analysis or insufficient analysis that goes in within teams. So uh, this insufficient s- stakeholder analysis uh, sort of tying that back to the, the partnerships. And then there's no meaningful or colorful in a way context surrounding the user stories that can you know add value and more meaning to the analysis work and 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 not having a structured conversation so that the teams could you know facilitate analysis in a better way Yamo, you're a great analyst <laughs> <laughs> well i was just i was just listening and uh, no you weren't <laughs> just listening you were doing all the good things analysts do that's great thank you you're welcome. Now, I just wanted to, because what I'm trying to do, guys, is really set a context or a, or a reason why uh, you guys undertook this journey to write this book, right? And I see a strong value in, in trying to put forth something that will really uh, motivate readers and, and listeners of this podcast to to pick up this book and, and really get your message, right? And and part of that is really uh, your book is really solving a pain point that exists out there in the world. And and this happens to be one among them. You're absolutely right, Yamo. And the pain point is not just from a BA perspective. They're teams that are really struggling. And what we're hoping is that this is, you had asked earlier, like who would this book serve? And we believe this book serves the entire team because Mm -hmm. teams are struggling with this. And so taking the role of um, somehow as a leader and helping to solve some of those, but uh, they really are tough problems that have to be discussed. And we're really looking for ways to have a common communication, common language. Um, And one way that we're doing that, if I could segue is um, to also talk about the problem that many teams have because often when we work with our clients, uh, meeting with eight or ten people on a team, it's like a mini United Nations. There are people from all over the world working together 
And that means that many times there are many different uh, first languages. So one of the goals that we have in our book is to have a very visually compelling way to communicate. Mm -hmm. And we have certain symbols that we use. And those symbols are now, I think, we're really seeing uh, get traction here. Uh, We've used it around the world. And in addition, we also use color semantically. So this is a way that we feel helps to engage the entire community in analyzing their particular needs. Nice. So I'll, I'll, I'll have more questions about this in a moment. So before we get there, I wanted to ask you a question about the title of the book, uh, Discover to Deliver, right? So, uh, so what was the rationale behind that? And, and was it sort of uh, a theme that you wanted to run all along the book? Well, I would, I would definitely say that it, that it was a theme to, deli- to uh, throughout the book. You know, discovery, when you hear the word discovery, you think about uh, newness, elicitation, learning, analysis, even specification, valuation. And when you think about uh, delivery, you think about development, testing, deployment, valuing, validation. So um, those some of the themes that happen in both of those portions, those both, both those activities, include valuing and validating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one of the beauties and strengths of agile and lean practices is that you're continually checking and validating that you're building the right thing. It's not just about verifying, which of course is crucial, making sure you built it right, but validating continually. And that happens both in discovery and delivery. You deploy or deliver and you check to see uh, that you built the right thing and you use the feedback from that in going back into discovery. Mary, you want to add to that? Well, the real thing about the the title is that this idea of being clear that the reason we're trying to discover something is so that we can deliver a high value product so one of the symbols that we use is an infinity symbol yeah i saw that it's on the cover of the book and Mm -hmm. it means that you start with discovery in order to move to delivery but as soon as you deliver you're swinging back and you're going to discover new aspects of the product Mm-hmm. So this constant movement from I discover particular product needs in order for them to be delivered so that we can continue to evolve the product. We're sort of swinging through this infinity symbol. And that's so much of what we do in our business analysis community. And we think about the knowledge areas in the BA body of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it talks about elicitation and we talk about requirements And we certainly get to solution assessment and validation. So in essence, these are all part of what we do in our business analysis work. So the discovery is to discover, it includes really the entire body of knowledge, uh, the IIBA body of knowledge in essence. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's a a really powerful point. And the other piece to that with this this, uh, discover to deliver in the visual picture of the, the, the image of the infinity mm-hmm. is that this is everyone's responsibility. All the disciplines are engaged in this. The discovery is uh, 
analysis, it's product management and project management, and it's all the disciplines in the technology side also that are dis- engaged in, in this work of discover to deliver. I'd also like to be really clear of our careful selection of the word product mm-hmm. instead of project. Why? And that was really important for us, Yamo, because as we think about our work, many times um, we get caught up in the project. And our goal is to stay focused on that bigger view of the product itself over time. It's not just I'm on this project as an analyst and I have to know about what's needed to deliver the project results taking a more holistic view of the product itself, I think positions us in a very different way, a very important different way. Nice. I think it's almost sort of, you know, changing the perspective and the lens of looking at things, right? Absolutely. Definitely. So uh, just uh, maybe uh, another follow-up question on that. Was there any uh, work towards the project side of it or it, 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 it was always product? Well, I think the, I mean, the, what it is that we're delivering, whether you're delivering to an internal customer base or an external customer base, it's a product. Projects and managing the projects is essential and crucial to delivering in a smart way. So the project is, is the mechanism to get the product um, to the market, again, internal or external market. Yeah. You know, when we think about doing analysis, we're doing analysis about a product. Exactly. So, and, and that's something that people miss. It's it's real important to focus on, and like Mary was saying about what is what is the most valuable thing at this point in time. So the the other thing that we sometimes need to make sure we focus on is that value is also sometimes a moving target. To be quite frank, I mean, we have all those those three partners and all the people there engaged in that partnership, the customer, business, and technology, and value for them can be different. Or as we say, value is in the eyes of the beholder. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in in addition to value having perspective based on who you are, what stakeholder you are, value also can change with time. Things happen with with the marketplace, things happen with the business, Uh, a competitor comes in, uh, people change in their uh, roles in the organization. So we always have to go back and look at what what the state of value is at any given point in time. Yeah, absolutely. So while we are on the topic of title, just as a trivia to our listeners, did you have any other working titles that you... (laughs) <laughs> Maybe a second title. <laughs> oh, you don't. No, you have. You don't have the half of it there, Yamo. <laughs> oh, really? We're we're analysts. Okay? Yeah, I'm sure there was a huge debate on the title. <laughs> oh my! Oh, goodness. we had we had many 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 titles. We asked for feedback from many many people, and uh, it was quite a challenge. But it did. It was a very iterative process. May we say? It was agile. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what was the second best title just out of curiosity oh boy I don't even know if I remember Mary do you remember because Discover to Deliver was sticky for us both yeah it's, it's sticky yeah mm-hmm. so uh, gee 
You're no, we, we have basically purged that from our minds. I have to say. So that, yeah, so that there's peace, yes. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> no second guessing here. Well, I like that selective memory. <laughs> so uh, one other thing I wanted to, uh, you know, talk about, maybe th th these are two questions. One was just how does the title sort of tie back uh, uh, in all along the book or, or the other way? How does the the book uh, and the chapters or sections in the book tie back to the title and and i also wanted to do the high level walkthrough of the book so i'm thinking we could do both together that sounds very very good so let's let's start with the high level walkthrough of the book itself uh, and and i have the table of contents slash the hierarchy mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. so as i see that you have six sections in the book how is it laid out just give us a rundown well, we've organized this in a fashion that would allow people to dip and dive as they choose, or they could read it front to back. Um, what we, we had three different releases and had feedback from so many wonderful folks. And one of the, uh, there was a whole community, a sub-community, I should say, that really loved the case study. And so we've made that case study front and center. It's the first section of the book, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's narrative. It's Pat says this, who's the product champion, and then Deb says that. And they we have examples of the what they're doing at each view with each of the seven dimensions. There are models that are shown that they're drawing. And mm -hmm. we've taken that case study and used it throughout the entire book in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. So it's a theme or a thread that runs through the book because, as we know, often as analysts, one way to confirm our understanding is to use examples yeah. or scenarios. So, in essence, that's what we've done with our book. So, there's that section. Then there's a section on big concepts, and it really lays out in a very uh, clear fashion, we hope, um, things about the product, who are the partners, what's the value plan and as well as a structured conversation that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. The third section takes each one of the seven product dimensions and shows it in a very succinct way and especially for our analyst community there's a meta model for each one of the seven product dimensions that shows how you could represent that. Mm -hmm. so for example for the action dimension the meta model includes the different aspects of features, story, and then diagrams you could use, like a business process diagram. Mm. Um, and the fourth section is around what we call the conversation itself, how to explore and evaluate each of the product dimensions. So I'll pick on the action dimension again. There are a number of steps involved. How would you actually explore the options and how would you evaluate? And that's where the case study is used again um, for each one of these. And it's the same case study throughout the entire book. Um, mm -hmm. The fifth section is called ADAPT. That is really, really important because our community has many, many different ways they have to work. And whether they're dealing with Agile or not dealing with Agile, or they're in a situation where they have to go out and um, look for a software package. They're not developing something from scratch. So that ADAPT 
section um, provides ways that you would take these concepts, the seven dimensions of structured conversation, and use them in a variety of contexts. And the last section, the sixth section, um, tools and techniques, um, there are 34, Ellen, or I've forgotten now how many. That's right. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, each one of these, say, for example, there's a page on a concept diagram, context, excuse me, context diagram, and it will explain what is it and the usefulness of it and an example. Again, it's based on the case study. So from the beginning, section one, to the last section, section six, um, there's a mix of what you might think of um, conversational aspects. There's a mix of theory and all, all in all, it's meant to be a very integrated way to grasp these concepts. Nice. So just, just out of curiosity, what, what are these seven product dimensions? The first one is user. Mm-hmm. Second would be interface. The third is action. The fourth is data. The mm-hmm. fifth is control. The sixth is environment. And the seventh is quality attribute. Wow, you get full marks. <laughs> Thank you. And Yama, what's really important is they each have a different color. Ah, nice. So what was the rationale behind color? Did you have something like the, a new color theory going on? Like blue oh, is this, red is that? We absolutely <laughs> did. But I didn't mean to number them. We don't number them because you can use them in any particular order. I just ah. meant your sake to know is she ever going to be done here <laughs> know that, um, yes we're almost there so absolutely the control dimension mm-hmm. no surprise is red oh, okay all right and uh, the other colors are, are we just picked but it is it is really cool because when Ellen and I use these concepts uh, within a few days, the entire team is talking about, well, when are we going to get to blue? Or when are we going to be... T- oh, nice. So, so they started talking in colors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. And those colors actually do have some universal meaning, right? So if you think of uh, a stoplight or a go light, mm-hmm. you know, as Mary said, the control dimension, which is really about policies and rules, is red. So that constrains behavior uh, and action, and action is go, go, go. That's green, right? Yeah. Uh, interface is purple, and, and so on. So they actually, there is um, some universal semantics behind the colors as well. And, of course, the symbols, we've done some tuning uh, over the years on the symbols, and people just really relate to the symbols. We get pictures from um, clients after we've worked with them of their team rooms where they have the the seven dimension symbols up on the wall and um, they've done some modeling a combination of text and visual models that that so we have photographs of room we call that that wall with those dimensions and the information about the partners and value we call that the options board oh nice i was gonna say ellen and mary glyphics <laughs> Uh, well, no, really, it's the it's the options around the product, and the cool thing, the really neat thing, is is that the team can have the team can have the conversation about these dimensions and partners and value at any planning horizon. So mm. we found that product and project managers really love this because 
they can have everyone on the team can have the same conversation whether they're talking about a release coming up in two months or whether they're talking about what they need to deliver in the next two weeks right mm-hmm. or in a, a complete roadmap that might take them two years out so they're having the same kind of conversation they build they build a, a language that they can talk to each other about what regardless of the planning horizon nice so so do you happen to have uh, an interesting st- story surrounding the colors and the symbols uh, from your projects that that you want to share with our listeners uh, how about Ellen the one around how we do stories how about so, or which which one go ahead you get so so a lot of folks write user stories and they pick up a white index card uh-huh. and they with a pen on it and our concern is that people think that they're just thinking in one dimension. So the way we actually do stories would be to use seven different colors mm-hmm. to indicate the seven dimensions on a story card. Nice. And so once, and usually this is just a starting point. And after that, people get into it. They're thinking that way, Yamo. Mm-hmm. And they'll recognize that they haven't considered one of the dimensions for a card, for example. And by doing that, um, it really is funny because uh, I was in Australia recently working with one of our wonderful clients, and some of the folks had been on a conference call at 11 o'clock the night before with people in some other part of the world. Mm. They were going on like, they were only talking green. (laughs) We need to get to red. Uh and. You were recognizing is the conversation had not gotten to studying business rules and they realized that there was a risk there because the business rules were actually very complex there were different jurisdictions so the action was basically the same to verify something but the rules that would be applied depended upon whether you were in Argentina mm-hmm. or in France or the US and by focusing and recognizing that they had not gotten to that it allowed them to better plan their next conversation nice another aspect of this uh in the dimensions is that it encapsulates three of the dimensions are really what would classically be called non-functional requirements Mm -hmm. so that's specifically interface environment and quality attribute and um, those are often neglected in not just in agile teams having conversations about that, but but certainly in traditional teams. I sure. remember um, a uh, a workshop for planning that we were facilitating with an agile team, and we were working at the preview, and uh, we had uh, small groups working around the different dimensions, and uh, the topic of the environment, which really is about if you're a physical product, the physical aspects, but also the platforms mm-hmm. that that was something this this group was working on and and they started having a conversation and a proposal around uh, the database management system everybody was assuming oh, okay we're, we're an oracle or sql shop mm. lead architect um, pointed out that they were looking at uh, using the cloud for for big data and all of a sudden it opened up a conversation that nobody had had openly with the product manager who was really the product champion, mm. it, it shifted and, and opened something that they really needed to talk about because there were some risk issues there. It, there were some value, value topics 
And they were doing this very early and as part of their planning, where they may have neglected this later on and had some unpleasant misunderstandings or surprises. Nice. So, so this sort of helped the, the the dimension sort of helped them to get to that point. Yes. Nice, Mary. Uh, you also said that there is a three-part cycle as part of the structured conversation, right? Yes. And that is uh, is that sort of applied? And you also said that it's applied to each dimension. That's correct. So, uh, so the so how does that tie in? So you take in each of the dimension and elaborate on what to do uh, with it using the three-part cycle, like or do you uh, and and tie it back to the case study. Yeah, it's really, I think, maybe a more accurate way to call it is it's a meta process. Mm. And so in the case study itself, um, there are actually three views to the case study. It starts with uh, looking out two months out, which we call the preview. And the team gets together with the product champion and tries to consider what will they be able to deliver in two months. So their job is to explore uh, the possible options for the seven dimensions, then evaluate them using those value considerations and eventually to confirm that they selected the right set of options. And that happens in the first part of the case study, which is the preview, the second part, which we call the now view, where they're ready to develop something within the next two weeks or so, and then lastly in the big view. So the ability, just as a quick example, to take one of the dimensions, the user dimension, and to think about, well, what are the options for the user? So explore, oh, which users would be using this product in the next two months? And you'd list those particular user options. And then you'd actually select which would be the most important um, to provide value, and you'd select those and then you'd move from that point on. Does that yeah. answer the question? Yeah, yeah, nice. So one other thing I wanted to ask you guys was about the, the target audience uh, for the book itself. And, and, a real and I really like the way you put it, Mary, that it's for the team. It's not for the analyst. It's not for the product owner or the product champion, but it's for the team. So... Explain to me, uh, you know, explain to our listeners a little bit why that, that is so important that, that, you know, having that one language that they could uh, read, understand, and talk with. Well, Ellen and I have written about this. I think we coined the phrase a few years ago, it's the goal, not the role. Mm -hmm. So the goal is to deliver a high-value product. And if that's our goal... We want to have a partnership to deliver that. Um, the product is really a shared resource. And so looking at that, if we are working as partners, then it would be very helpful if we could communicate in a consistent way. So the book was written not specifically for any one role. We really see it's for anyone who would be involved in conceiving and delivering and even supporting software products. Hmm. And it would include a really diverse set of disciplines. I mean, when you think about it, we need business analysis work done. We need product and project management, um, user experience, quality. 
And we really do try to be very mindful about not using role. My, I get on my soapbox and I say it's the IIBA, International Institute of Business Analysis, SIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, exactly, exactly. And the CBAP, Business Analysis Professional. Yeah. And so we really want to speak to that entire community of folks who are building this shared resource. Absolutely. And and how does this book sort of tie back to the, uh, the to the agile extension of the BA book, uh, if it does? Well, um, I guess I can speak a little bit to that because I've been involved in that. It's been an ongoing uh, process. But the, it's, um, it's certainly what has been done thus far with the agile extension certainly is completely in sync with what Mary and I have been working on for a number of years. The agile extension is um, at this point not intended to be a how-to guide, but provide a high-level set of uh, practices and techniques, and there's a whole overview section uh, as well. And, you know, I just want to mention that we are not doing, we, we wanted to keep the book really lean and direct, so we're not including in the book an overview to Agile and Lean. In the preface, we just describe, okay, we're going to, um, get right into it, and uh, there's many, many wonderful books out there. Mm-hmm. We're going to assume that the reader has some background and can jump in, but also, as Mary said, that uh, that it's useful, these practices are useful even if you're not formally doing Agile or Lean. So um, the Agile extension, I think that readers will find that have read the extension, they'll find that this book will be a fabulous way for them to dig in deep from a practical point of view, well, that's what we're intending to do with okay. this book. Okay, awesome. So it's an application perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, just just back to my other question about target audience. So you said you know anyone who is involved uh, in agile product planning and 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 delivery or analysis could read this book. So uh, can you quickly give like you know uh, an overview of how each reader could approach this book? You know. Like maybe if if it's an analyst or a product owner, so what should be their uh, their approach to reading this book? So what what are some of the things that they need to focus on? Well, maybe I'll start maybe with the product champion or product owner, and Mary, you'll give an example or two of the analyst uh, just to to pick up on those, and then we might um, talk about a project manager, a product manager is going to be really concerned about getting the highest value as soon as possible. So they may look at the outline of this book and they may say, okay, I don't necessarily want to start with the case study, but jump me into, I need to understand, they'll jump into the big concepts Mm. and read about what are we talking about the product and the partners and value. They'll be very keen on value. Mm. And think about plans, although they'll rely heavily on the project manager. And then they'll learn by reading the concept of the conversation how they might communicate differently with the team. Then what they might do after getting the big ideas, then they'll read, okay, now give me an example of that. And as Mary said, we try to use examples. We do use examples throughout the book. Um, so they'll, so the, that product champion is jumping into the case study and reading about the conversation and how the product champion is guiding the conversation and making decisions about the product in the case study. Mm-hmm. So 
then they may say, oh boy, well, you know, I have some regulatory issues that I'm dealing with in my product. What do I do about that? And they'll look at section five and say, okay, adapting practices. There's something here that says adapting your process when you're developing regulated products. So they'll jump in and they'll read that. Mm. Nice. So what about the analyst, Mary? I think we have to be careful because the analysts, we can't stereotype them. And Ellen and I are both analysts. I mean, we both mm-hmm. started as developers, let's be honest. And we've, been, we've been analysts for a few decades. And Ellen's way of learning and, and sharing is very different than mine. She loves case studies. Hmm. So she'll, she would, an Ellen kind of a BA would start with a case study and go through that. And I personally, I would like to get down and dirty with, the key concepts. So I'd probably start with section two. So I really think that we ought to be, um, and our intention was to allow people, depending upon their learning style, depending upon their um, particular uh, experience, what do they know so far, um, they'd just pick and choose. So I really, we wanted to make it as flexible. And that navigation bar at the top of each page, as you can see in the material we sent you, Yamo, Mm -hmm is intended to allow people to sort of skip around and yet still know exactly where they are visually. It nice. becomes, it's a navigation bar. So if you're in the fourth section conversation mm. and you're on a particular page, you can look to the top and know where you are and say, gee, I'm, I think I need to go back to the big concepts. Yeah. Know exactly where to get. Or maybe I want to go to tools and techniques. So there is a traceability there. Absolutely. I didn't plan to ask this question, but I'm going to ask you anyways. So while you were writing this book, I know writing a book is not a joke. It's a very intensive process. Uh, You were probably locked up in your basement or in your writing room for months. So uh, what was that one thing that that you always had in mind that someone reading this book needs to take take away? Like, what were you trying to communicate? One message. I know it's going to be difficult to say, but. If you could think of something, you do you want to share with our listeners? Wow, one message, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can think; it's well, okay. I, to me, I guess Mary might um, take another spin at this, but uh, the it's all about collaborating in a healthy way, and um, the team gaining, obtaining, and sustaining a shared understanding. I think that's what it is for me. What about you, Mary? Um, Ellen just spoke about the people perspective. I'll speak about the product perspective. And these seven dimensions are a holistic way of understanding a product. They are interrelated. And being able to clearly express that and understand that when we go off and do our work, it's our responsibility to make sure that the product that we analyze and specify actually includes all seven dimensions. Nice. You know, one interesting that I sort of noticed was uh, you have seven dimensions and uh, seven different colors Mm -hmm. and the rainbow has seven colors. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, so, yeah, is it? Uh, do you have like colors from the rainbow, or? 
One of the colors is black. So that's, oh, okay. That's the environment. But oh, uh, okay, interesting. No, I was just I was just thinking. So. Anyway, so uh, at this point, I think uh, we've covered pretty much all the aspects of the book, and uh, I believe it's uh, the the book is launching uh, in September. Is it? Yep, mid September. Mid September, mm-hmm. and there will be a special discount for our BA coach listeners. I I believe, uh, and and there better be a discount. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There absolutely is going to be a discount. Yes. All right. So, uh, you know, when you have the information available, you can send it to me and I'll link it up in the show notes. We definitely will. All right. So at this point, if you have any other closing comments or thoughts, uh, Mary and Ellen, that you want to relay out to the community about the book itself or in general, please feel free. Um, I would just say that I hope that it will be a really useful, practical guide for some essential practices that people will find useful on a day-to-day basis. Mary? And it's also a sustainable reference. On the website, we'll be adding content. Uh, for example, one thing, we'll have a mapping to the IIBA body of knowledge. So if you're in a particular section of our book, we would indicate how that relates to particular tasks in the Bach. And as the Agile extension matures and finalizes, we'll add that. So it's not just the book, it's also being able to continue our conversation with our readers using our website. And that's uh, www.discovertodeliver.com. Nice, you got that URL, eh? Yeah. All right. Awesome. So uh, thank you so much, Ellen and Mary, for being on the BA Coach Podcast. And I look forward to talking to you again. Well, thank you, Yama. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast with Ellen and Mary. And I highly recommend that you go and grab yourself a copy of Discover to Deliver. I'm holding it in my hand as I'm recording this podcast because, you know, it's an amazingly well-written book uh the illustrations are awesome and the presentation and the flow is really really uh clear and very educational so having said that if you have any questions for ellen or mary or want to leave a comment on this podcast you could go to the bacoach.com forward slash episode 28 the number 28 And you will also find information about the coupon code for the discount that uh, I talked about in the beginning. And uh, you can read through the blog post and also uh, find out other information about the book and this podcast. That's it from me for this episode. I will see you on the BACoach.com. Bye for now.